You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for May 27th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. And today our episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Joining us today is the beat writer and a columnist at JetsXFactor.com, Robbie Sabo. Robbie, thanks so much for joining today. John B., of course, I would always join your show. Um, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. Robbie does a tremendous job over at JetsXFactor.com, along with my buddy Michael Nania and a few other great writers. It's a place you have to go to read Jets Analyst if you're a fan of the team. So, Robbie, it's been a big offseason for the Jets, obviously. Uh, let's begin at the very beginning. What do you think of the hiring of Robert Sala as the new head coach of the Jets? Well, I think Jets fans, any Jets fan who is upset about the Sala hire is just a masochist at this point. I mean, coming off of what Adam Gates did the last two years, Sala's a, a breath of fresh air. And being at rookie minicamp, I mean, you could tell the atmosphere was different right away. There was engagement. There was a rah-rah attitude. The clouds have been lifted. He's just, you could tell he's different. He's a different type of guy. He's a different type of coach. He wants to connect. He wants to engage. Unlike previous regimes, when the guys are stretching, Sal is right in the mix, uh, chatting it up with his players, engaging, came over to the media, engaging. That, that's the type of personality he is. I love the hire. It's interesting, too, because his name was kind of under the radar going into that process with the with the coaching search um but once his name surfaced i was all in as i think a lot of jets fans were and i I think they're going to be better for it and the the one good thing the one i like to look for signs the one really great sign i see from sala is that it's okay if your head coach calls plays but the fact that his ego doesn't force him to have to call the defensive plays and he's comfortable in giving that to olbrich is a fantastic sign. So I love the Salah hire. I love the hierarchy, everything the way it's set up now, that they're letting the head coach pick his entire staff and they're working from a you know top-down sort of philosophy. Yeah, I think you make a good point there because it's not necessarily a bad thing if your head coach calls plays. I mean, there are plenty of successful head coaches who do just that and are very involved on their side of the ball. But I think just based on what we've been through over the last few head coaches with the jets, it's felt like, you know, if you, even if you go all the way back to Rex Ryan, like the coaches the jets have hired have been kind of disengaged from the other side of the ball. So not that it necessarily would have been a bad thing for Salah to call his own plays, but just based on what we've been through, it's a positive sign. It's maybe one of those symbols that we have a head coach who's going to focus on both sides of the ball. He's going to focus on the entire team. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at trends and if you look at the last 20 years, a lot of the head coaches who have won Super Bowls haven't called the plays. you got Belichick. I mean, of course, Belichick's always involved, but not the specific play caller. Belichick, Pete Carroll, uh, Coughlin. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing a few guys, but that kind of 
how it's rolled for the better teams, Harbaugh in Baltimore, Tomlin in Pittsburgh. So I think it's a good thing. I mean, and as going back to the hierarchy, yeah, you want a hierarchy in football, but you also want that hierarchy to not, um, you know, exude fear. You want the hierarchy, but you want everyone to be able to connect on the same level. And that's kind of what they're building at Florham Park is what I see right now. And the Jets made a change at the most important position on the field as far as players go at the at quarterback. You know, I was very optimistic about Sam Darnold when the Jets drafted him. Obviously, it did not work out. What are your thoughts on the move to Zach Wilson? I mean, listen pretty much everyone was optimistic on Darnold. If they're saying they weren't now, they're just, their nose is 10 feet long. Um, I love the move. I wanted them to make the move. You know, Darnold, do I think he could have success in the NFL? Absolutely. I think he could have success. I think he could put up a 30 touchdown season. But if I'm Joe Douglas, what I want to do is find the next, special guy. I don't know if Darnold is that special guy. I don't think he is. He just has too much trouble pre-snap, too much trouble reading leverage, reading defenses at times. Uh, You know, when he targets one receiver, he can't look past that one-on-one matchup sometimes. So I think Darnold can have success. I just, I agree with Douglas in that you can't let Darnold go into his fourth year and then gamble on that one year. Uh, One and done audition is too risky when you're staring at a kid like Zach Wilson who whose attributes perfectly translate to the NFL. I mean, when you look at Fields and even Lawrence, they played in college offenses where you think they could do what you want them to do, but you're not totally sure because a lot of it's not translatable. You know, the one read RPO stuff, Zach Wilson, he played in an offense where you could where you could see it. You don't have to guess. And everything's quick with him, his release, his feet, uh, between the ears. Does he take too much chances at times? Take too many chances at times? Absolutely. But everything translates at the NFL level. And listen, again, going back to recent history, the great teams have been built on the rookie quarterback deal. And yeah, you could have got a boatload for, for that number two pick and keeping Darnold, but that's a major risk. Uh, going into his fourth year and then have to having to pay for him. I mean, what if Darnold throws 24 touchdowns to 18 picks or 16 picks and 3,500 yards to resign him to a major deal. It's not like it used to be these days. You could miss on a draft pick. What kills GMs more is that second quarterback contract because that money is bananas. Now, Robbie, I got to tell you, you are my favorite writer when it comes to breaking down how a player fits within a, a scheme. How do you envision Wilson fitting into Mike LaFleur's offense? Perfect. And you hear it all over the place. You know, ESPN, Fox, Mainstream, they say, what do they say? There's no bad quarterback for the Shanahan system. I mean, there really is. And Zach Wilson is not that guy. He's the perfect guy because he could play east-west. He could boot. He could throw on the run. He could throw from every arm angle, off-platform. Uh, he could pretty much do it all. So I like him envisioning him envisioning him in an 11 personnel, 12 personnel. And, and that's the other thing, too. Yeah, it's going to be Shanahan principle, but look to Green Bay, too, because LaFleur's got a brother in Green Bay 
who has had success at the NFL level. Obviously, it's come with Aaron Rodgers, but don't think Shanahan's system 100%. Think a hybrid of Shanahan and LaFleur's brother down in Green Bay. Uh, as for Wilson, he fits it perfectly. Uh, we'll see what happens. Do I think he's going to come out of the gate, you know, firing on all cylinders? No. He'll have up, he'll have his ups and downs. But uh, from an east-west, outside zone, wide zone, bootleg type system, uh, throw some RPOs in there because he could absolutely do that. Zach Wilson's perfect. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are always reliably low. Rockauto.com's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Now I have to ask you this next question because I think among Jets writers that I've read, you might be the only person who's been more focused over the last few years on building the offensive line than I've been. You may have been the only one more distressed by the Jets' lack of investment up front through the years than I was. I got to ask, what do you think of the trade-up for Vera Tucker? It was a very controversial move within the fan base. Yeah, I mean, dude, we've been on the same page for years on this. Uh, I mean, first of all, going, what, what was that, 14 years without dropping a first-round offensive lineman? It's a, it's a football sin beyond words. Let's just throw that out there and make it stick. Secondly, Douglas has drafted two first-round offensive linemen in two drafts. That's as many as they've drafted since 2006, when you include 2006. Good things happen when you build inside out. Same thing, not to get off topic, but same thing with the pass rush. Um, Wilson or Douglas, the fact that he got lost in it might be the first legit edge rusher since John Abraham. Are you kidding me? He solved the two, may have, may have solved the two biggest issues plaguing this franchise for a decade and a half. So for Elijah Vera Tucker, a lot of the analytics guys do not like it because it's based purely on analytics. You, you lose some points based on Jimmy Johnson's draft value chart. And in the analytics world, trading up is never a good thing for the outcome. Can't just be about analytics. You have to factor experiential in there because analytics doesn't take the number 14 overall pick each year and pretend there's variable there. You know, Elijah Vera Tucker in 14 could be a number five in the Jets' eyes. He could play like a number three as opposed to a regular 14. So I love the trade up. I, to tell you the truth, I was surprised. I didn't think Douglas would trade up. And what he did in the war room afterwards got me excited as hell, ready to run through a wall. I've never seen a motion like that at Douglas yet. So I, I love the move. Uh, if, as long as these kids stay healthy, back in the Navy T, they're going to have a nice left side of the line for a long time coming. Which gives Zach Wilson more than Darnold ever had or you know any recent Jets quarterback. But I think Douglas has also done a good job building a quality receiving core for Zach Wilson. You know, they had Corey Davis in the offseason. 
They, of course, draft Elijah Moore at the, with the 34th pick, maybe not as big of an impact move, but still I think a decent depth move was signing Keelan Cole. And suddenly, for the first time in quite a while, the Jets have a quality group of receivers. Let me ask you, were you surprised with the Elijah Moore pick? No, I wasn't. I was because, you know, if you look at it, was receiver the most pressing need on the roster? No, but, you know, a year from now, Jamison Crowder's contract is up. They only signed Cole for one year. I actually thought that was a really good spot for a receiver because you essentially bring more in and there's not a lot of pressure for him. He's And that's like the situation I like to be in where a guy does not have any pressure to produce in year one, but he can earn his way onto the field if he's good enough. So I actually felt right. like, and I was actually saying that for weeks that I felt like either 23, 34, if you looked at like the talent in this draft, that's really where it lined. That's really where receiver lined up for, for the jets. I thought, so I thought it made a lot of sense. I was, you know, there were a couple of guys I liked. They weren't all wide receivers at 34. I mean, I was, I would have been open to a trade down to maybe recoup one of the third round picks that they traded away, but I liked the pick at the, I, I mean, I really liked the pick the night they made it. He was one of the guys at the top of my list. Yeah. I think he's probably my favorite pick of the entire draft. And it, it crept up on me it, immediately. I said, I get it. I'm not surprised. Like a lot of other fans were, a lot of other media members were stunned. I wasn't stunned. I didn't love it, but after a day, I loved it. And I think it's the best pick of the draft because I always knew, yes, receiver is not their most pressing need, not by a long shot. But I always knew, it, even though you liked the top three, and even the depth with Cole, Barrios, Vincent Smith, it wasn't a complete group in this sense. Crowder's a great slot man. Uh, Mims and Corey Davis are great on the outside, can grab it at the high point. They're missing that edge threat guy, the guy who could take jet sweeps and threaten the edge. This NFL is much different. Look at the, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Ever since the Wildcat was introduced, it, it, when it turned into read option, it turned into zone read. Suddenly, offensive coordinators realized, hey, th- this new NFL, you know, I'm not going to get my quarterback and little receivers killed on the edge because this NFL is a lot softer than it used to be. In the 80s, if you ran zone read, or jet sweep every play, there'd be guys going out of the game left and right. It was just the way it was. Now it's different, and you have to have that guy who could assume jet motion duty and be that game breaker and take a handoff once or twice a game. Uh, Moore, he said he used to play running back. Uh, He's going to be a punt returner right away. I'd be shocked if he wasn't the punt returner. So I love it. I think it completes them. Whether or not Crowder remains on the team, I don't know. I would say yes right now, but they can go either way. It gives them flexibility. Um, I love the more pick. And to your point, yeah, this is a lot more than Darnold ever had to work with. But Douglas, I look at the O-line and the trenches first, and then this pick and say, okay, Douglas gets it. He understands what this new NFL is about, and Elijah Moore is critical in terms of doing the stuff that you need to do, east-west, threaten the edge, create havoc, deceive the defense, and that's what Moore's going to do. Berrios can assume that role. He's been the de facto, de facto guy, basically, for the last two years, but he's not Moore. He's not a game-breaker. And so I love this pick. Elijah Moore, I think he's going to be a stud. And you know, one other thing I say is that 
yes, I think need matters when you enter the draft, but I think sometimes people view the draft as a place where need is the only thing you consider. And I don't think that's the case. I mean, at the end of the day in the draft, what you're looking for are guys who can help your team for, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. And your needs change from year to year. I think what you're trying to do is build strengths and, you know, if Denzel Mims develops the way we're hoping he he can, and if Corey Davis continues on the trajectory he's on, if you add Elijah Moore to that mix, wide receiver's not going to be a need for the Jets for at least a couple of years. And I think you know, that's that's something that has to be considered as, as when you talk about this pick. Yeah, and wide receiver is one of those groups like corner where it changes really quickly, and. It's a con- why it changes really quickly from bad to great or great to bad is a combination of factors. It's the talent at the position, but those two positions are really reliant on other positions more so than the reverse. So if your offensive line, you know, takes a crap, then the receivers are not going to be as good. Quarterback, same thing. Pass rush, same thing with the cornerback. And the two positions they were really hurting, linebacker and corner, didn't do a hell of a lot. I mean, he's got some bodies at corner. I like Michael Carter in the second in the slot. Maybe Pinnock on the outside. He fits what Salad likes to do on the outside. But he left the two positions for last that were correct in linebacker and corner. Because if that pass rush is nasty and they're seven and eight deep and they get home, they could hide a lot of ills behind it. Let's talk about this pass rush because, as you mentioned, the Jets added Carl Lawson, who could be their best edge rusher in 15 years. And you'll be their first, as you said, their first legitimate edge rusher since John Abraham was traded to Atlanta back, I think it was in 2006. And year after year, it seemed to me that the Jets, you, you know, you'd enter the draft and everybody would say, well, we're going to draft an edge rusher this year. Or, you know, you go, you start before that, you'd start a free agency. Everybody, everybody would say, we're going to sign a free agent pass rusher. And then they wouldn't. And then you'd, they'd say, okay, that's okay. We still have the draft. We're going to draft somebody. And then they wouldn't. And then the plan would be bring back Calvin Pace for another year. We'll get it next year. And then eventually Calvin Pace retired and it just became, we'll address it next year. And you know, I was really excited that the Jets got Carl Lawson. It seemed to me it was kind of like unanimous among people who cover the team. Yeah, you know, we don't agree. It's not often we agree on something, but it seemed unanimous that we all wanted the Jets to sign Carl Lawson. And then they also bring in Sheldon Rankins. You know, they bring in Vinnie Curry. He was not going to have the same impact as a Lawson, but a, a guy who I think could still help situationally. And it's starting to feel like when you add these guys to Quinn and Williams, who's developing, Jets actually may have a pass rush for once this year. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they don't, because not only do they have a lot of bodies, a lot of talent, but it's flexible, too. Uh, The way I look at it right now, John Franklin Myers and Lawson start on the outside in base. You got Quinnen and Foley on the inside. Salah likes big edge guys. You know, look at San Fran. He likes those big edge guys. But when you go to the sub package, when you go to nickel, when you go to dime, JFM could go to the inside. And then you suddenly have JFM on the inside with Quinnen and Rankins, that trio rotating two spots. And then Curry, Huff, and Lawson, and whoever else, hopefully Jabari Zuniga could step up, maybe Phillips who could play inside and outside. But you got those three guys on the outside. So there's a lot of versatility as well. They're deep. You can't just be four deep at D-line. you got to be seven, eight deep. And they are. And isn't it amazing? You're so right about through the years. Okay, they're going to get an edge rusher. They're going to do it this year. They're going to do it this year. 
it's amazing because usually those guys get tagged. Usually we think there's going to be guys available on the market and they're, they're suddenly not available. It's so hard to get one of those guys in free agency. And the fact that Douglas got it done, whether he was fortunate or not, doesn't matter. He, he got it done. It's, it's actually flying under the radar to me a little bit in terms of how important and, and critical it is moving forward. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now let's talk about linebacker, and I'm interested to hear what your expectations are when you talk to C.J. Mosley, Jared Davis. It seems to me like there are a couple wild cards for the Jets at linebacker. Yeah, you know, Mosley really hasn't played in two years, and Davis is a reclamation project. What are you expecting from these guys? It's going to be interesting. Uh, Mosley, I never trust anyone who's missed a year, no less two, coming back after missing two years in football, is a very difficult thing. But where Mosley has a head start is most of his game is in between his ears. He's a smart linebacker. Yeah, he's athletic, but I don't think he's athletic as everyone thinks. He's really smart. So if his, if his mind is still there and he doesn't get hurt, doesn't break down, he could be fine. Jared Davis, it's interesting. Look at Douglas's free agent signings. A lot of them are younger guys right off that fourth year of the rookie deal who didn't meet expectations in their first stop. Corey Davis, number five overall pick, played well his fourth year, but didn't meet that expectation. Jared Davis, number one pick, didn't meet expectations. So I like that he's, he's targeting guys where the best, he's hoping the best is yet to come rather than the other way around. That's how you should play free agency. I guess Jared Davis will take the same role right now, but what to expect from him right now is anyone's best guess. I don't know. I'm going into it hoping for the best. But interesting about linebacker is the will. Who's going to start at will? Who's going to win that battle? I, Blake Cashman is the de facto guy right now. But then you got the two safeties, two college safeties, Nazareldine, who is affectionately known as Ham, and Sherwood from Auburn. And what it tells me is, you know, these two under 220-pound guys, if one of them grabs the will spot, it tells me Salah really wants to play a flexible day. He's done it in San Francisco a lot, where he leaves base defense out there against three receivers. You've you got to play nickel because 11 personnel is the base in NFL these days, but Salad doesn't want to be forced to play nickel. So having a safety type at that will spot really helps that. Same thing with LaMarcus Joyner at safety because he could play slot man-to-man against the receiver. He didn't do it well in Vegas, but he could do it in a pinch if you need it. So linebacker, I really see – that's where I see the versatility coming out in Salah's mind, Salah and Ulbricht's mind with his defense. Now let's talk about the defensive backfield. I think most people view the safety position as a strength. You know, you mentioned the signing of Joyner. 
Jets, of course, will be bringing back Marcus May. It will be on the franchise tag or will it be a long-term deal? Not clear, but he'll be back. But corner, that's a big question mark. Do you think the Jets are done in the defensive backfield? Do you foresee a signing at the corner position? I wouldn't rule uh, Sherman out, to be honest. I, I don't know. I'm not leaning one way or the other, yes or no. But I wouldn't rule it out, as some have already. Uh, yeah, he wants to play for a contender, but sometimes that match isn't always there. You know, and would you be overpaying for him financially? Absolutely. But would I do it? I would also do it because what he adds to that cornerback room with experience and knowing Salah's defense and philosophies is invaluable. So Sherman, it's possible. I'm actually hoping they do it. In terms of the young kids, I like Bryce Hall as a number two. Gidry, I see the slot corner coming down in August between Gidry and Michael Carter II. I mean, that should be a good battle. And that, this is where the battles are really going to be. The best battle uh, at Jets camp is going to be at corner. And the other side, you know, it's Bless Austin, it's Pinnock, it's Lamar Jackson, it's Dunn, the undrafted kid. Let's see if he could do anything. Um, and it's Eccles, too. Eccles is a guy who might be able to play inside and out. He's probably better suited for outside, but that's yet to be uh, confirmed. So a lot of kids, they're going to have to step up. But again, if as long as the D-line does its thing, they're going to have a leg up. And let me close out by going back to the safety position. Do you think Marcus May and the Jets get a long-term deal done? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I'll say yes because they like May so much in terms of his leadership, his um, who he is as a person, as a teammate, and just the law of averages coming off the Jamal Adams situation. So I'll lean yes. And I, and I also see May playing strong safety, Joyner starting at free. I guess theoretically Ashton Davis and Joyner are in a camp battle, but I, I think Joyner's the starter from right now, actually. Um, so the good thing is Salah's defense is really interchangeable with its safeties. You want both safeties to be able to play low and high. And, you know, they accomplish that beat by going to get Joyner because you could do both. And obviously May could do both as well, as we've seen. Robbie, thank you so much. Really great chatting with you today. Thanks, John. Anytime. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to it where podcasts are found and give it a five-star review. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week.